Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the third and final bonus episode before the Simply Profitable Designer Summit. It's Dave Hopkins here from the Quickie Podcast, and I've got two more speakers from the summit on the show today. We've got Morgan Rapp and Jason Resnick. They are bringing it for you again. They've got actionable steps for you to take to improve your freelance design business or your side hustle design business, whatever design business you got cooking, they've got an actionable step for you to take, an actionable thing for you to do that will help improve your business. So just a reminder that the summit starts tomorrow. That is Monday, kicks off tomorrow. Speakers start hammering through tomorrow. It goes all the way till Friday, 30 plus design experts bringing it to help you grow and improve your freelance design business, your side hustle design business, whatever you got. Go get your free ticket right now. Summit.davetalksprint.com. Again, that is summit.davetalksprint.com. I am speaking on Tuesday and I cannot wait to see you in there. But before then, let's tease a couple of these and give you some actionable steps here. So first up is Morgan Rapp. She's at MorganRapp with two P's.com. She's at a Salt Lake City, Utah. And her talk is called Show Your Value and Book High Paying Clients. Sounds good to me. But before we get to Morgan, let's get to the intro. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Morgan, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Doing swell amidst the chaos of what's going on upstairs above me. I can hear kids stomping and running, and I'm hoping all is well. Yeah, you might hear my kids in the background too. So. <laughs> this is just how we got to do it right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I always ask the toughest question first, and then we'll move it right past where it's out of the way. Tell the listeners about yourself. Okay, awesome. So my name is Morgan Rapp, and I'm a designer. I'm a mom of three, and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've had my business for about eight years now, and formerly I operated under October Inc. Um, just made the transition last month to just my personal name, and yeah, I love all things design. I'm a self-taught designer. That might be an interesting little fact about me, cool. um, but now I... So I, I have two parts of my business. I have courses now, but I also still do client work. Um, but yeah, and I kind of just operate from home and I love it. So Awesome. It gives you the flexibility that you were looking for, right? Yeah, which has its trade-offs, but you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pros and cons <laughs> to everything, Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about formerly October Inc., but now just MorganRap.com. Yeah, so I've had a little bit of a journey, you could say, Um so I did work in graphic design for a little bit, but I was just so unhappy because I was working on things that I didn't enjoy. Yep. I actually worked for a religious publisher. Terrific. Um, and so I got to do all those 
you know, cute little graphics that like the grandmas like hang, you know, with the sayings, like, you know, things like that. I was like, yeah, this isn't really my passion. <laughs> um, I have a toxic workplace. And I mean, this was way back, I'm trying to think when I graduated from college, 2007. So I didn't graduate in, in graphic design. I actually figured out I loved graphic design, like my last semester of college and just started like diving into Photoshop, teaching myself as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I was an assistant at this company and convinced them to get me into the publishing department so I could learn more graphic design. So, awesome. but I didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> so in the right direction. I learned all the programs and like, really they were big on InDesign and things like that in Photoshop. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of like the quick rundown. And then eventually I started to build up clients on the side. I actually had a business partner at the time and uh, we both worked full time. We were building this on the side and we were making wedding invitations, but we weren't really making any money <laughs> from doing that. And then we had people who started requesting like websites and branding and things like that. And we're like, oh, we can actually make more money doing this. Like people value <laughs> it more. Yeah. Um, think things that they can, you know, integrate to their businesses and they're willing to pay more. So we started doing that. And then um, I got pregnant with my son. So this is back in like 2013. Yep. And I kind of gave the finger to my job and quit. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> yeah. So that was just like the push I needed. I was like, you know, I think I can make this work. I don't think I really realized I was starting a business or like what I was getting into. <laughs> I just wanted to like work from home and I still very much saw myself as like a freelancer, you know, and I'll try this out and see how it goes. But I was really excited about the idea of like working for myself, but I didn't really know exactly what I was getting into. Like there weren't a lot of people who I really knew that mm-hmm. did things like that. I didn't think I would do that, like, or have my own business. Um, but I think that's how a lot of us get started. Is we just sort of <laughs> faith, and then eventually we figure it out as we go. Right? Yeah, I think the term that I've heard is ready, fire, aim. I didn't really have savings. Like I didn't like really plan it out very well. Um, I definitely wish I did sort of maybe looking back, but you know, I made it work and it, it all worked out, but yeah, it all figured out and you learned the lessons that you needed to learn. And you know, here you are now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I've just been doing client work. Um, yeah. And had my own business ever since. And yeah, it's been a journey. Awesome. I love that. Um, so how, did you get connected with the Simply Profitable Design Summit? Yeah. So Krista and I have become like online friends, I guess you could say. I think we've both been around in the industry for a little while mm-hmm. um, and we got connected. And then as I started to transition to teaching a little bit more the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I think that that was something that she noticed and um, wanted me to teach in the summit. So I, w- I did it last year as well. Oh, did you? Awesome. I was going to ask that next. So what did you talk about last year? Yeah. So last year I just talked about how to scale to six figures. Awesome. Um, and then this year I am focusing more on attracting higher ticket clients or higher budget clients, as everyone likes to say. Yep. Um, so they're kind of similar topics, but I'm diving a little bit more specifically into, into how to attract the high rollers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in my business, I now work with clients, you know, above like 20 K plus projects. Mm -hmm. It's definitely been a journey. I didn't always charge that. Um, but I do feel like I've figured out a system of how to attract bigger budget clients. And I mean, this is something I talk about, um, in the summit, but 
I think sometimes people are, well, a client could potentially be a higher budget client, but you just don't know because you yeah. don't know how to talk about money uh-huh. or business or goals or any of that. Yeah. So actually you probably have had clients who might've had bigger budgets, but you left money on the table. And I know I did that for years. Ooh, stinger. Yeah, it's the truth, but it, hurt. it hurts a little bit. But like, once you start to realize that you're like, oh, okay. So I don't think that, like, I think a lot of times we expect clients to come to us and say their full budgets or like the top. <laughs> that yeah. go to. Nobody does that. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess the perspective is like, think of it this way. If you went to go buy a car or a house or anything that you're going to spend a good chunk of money on, um, you're not going to go in and say, this is my max budget. Yeah. Usually you go in and you know you you go within a number that you feel comfortable, you feel safe, um, but it might not get you everything that you actually want. Yep, I think that clients are a little bit more flexible than you realize, and then also when you know how to talk to clients and tie it back to business goals and, mm-hmm. and make it make sense for them, and help them see that it's an investment and there's a lot of value that they're going to be getting from that, mm-hmm. then there's more budget or money to be found. Right. And so I'm definitely about keeping it all conversational and I actually don't automate my sales process. I try to keep it very one-on-one and that's intentional because we find more value. We find more solutions through that process. Yes. And that means higher budgets. (laughs) Definitely. Whereas in the past I would say, here's my rate sheet. And then I, you know, you, you can't expect a client to want to pay you a lot more than what you send them. Like, that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I work with a lot less clients, but just on a higher level. Yeah. And that's been the sort of general theme of online courses and online membership sites and online trainings and things like that is the more direct contact you have with the person with the skills and abilities that you are seeking the person who created the course, the person who's doing that education, the more contact you have with them, the higher the price point. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is a mistake I just see with designers is they want high ticket clients, but yet they don't want to interact with the client very much. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you need to take that into account. Like, yeah, how much contact are you having with this client Um, through the sales process, also through, you know, the whole process afterwards and do you want volume or do you want to intentionally say no to people who might not be the right fit and then say yes to the people who would be? But you do need to have a little bit of a process so that you can kind of differentiate because there are going to be people who just won't have big budgets, but that makes sense for them with where they're at in their businesses, right? Definitely. So I think that not everyone you work with is going to magically have like a 20K plus budget, but I think people have it more than you realize. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know how to talk about it, basically. Mm-hmm. Like those are sales skills that kind of come down the road um, and take a little bit of practice and experience. Definitely. So somebody that, who is listening to this or coming to the talk and is sitting there thinking like, man, I would love to get some higher ticket clients. I would love to, you know, instead of working with 100 clients a year, I'd like to work with 20, but still yeah. make the same amount of money, if not more. How can they start oh. doing that? What's the first step, the first couple of things they can do to start moving in that direction? Yeah, so I would say like the first thing I would do is to start getting on sales calls with clients because a lot of designers try to automate this process because they don't want to, quote, waste their time. Mm-hmm. 
And here's what I think. I think it's never a waste of time to get on a call with an ideal client because even if they don't book, you learn so much about your ideal client's pain points mm-hmm. and the way they describe their problems. So I record those calls and I'll review them and like literally, literally write down word for word how they describe their problems. And then you can use that in your marketing and your copy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and every time you get on a sales call, you get better at it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so true. So like, you can't expect to never get on a sales call and then suddenly get on a call and be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you get better through through doing it and through sales. So like, you need the practice. So I tell everyone to get on every call you can. Like, every client, potential client, get on a call um, and talk to them. And even if the client like volunteers their initial budget and it seems kind of low, I give an example during the summit, but I was able to turn a $1,000 project into a 20K project because I got on the call and I asked them why they wanted to do the project and like what the real goals were. Because mm-hmm. initially they were, they could set me like a set of tasks to do. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this is really low value. It's about $1,000. And then I got on the call and I was like, what's really happening with your website? What's the real goal behind these tasks? And they're like, actually our website isn't organized very well and our conversion rates are low. Like, oh, okay, interesting. Why is that? They started to describe all these other things. I was like, okay, you actually need a full website redesign. Yeah. And so that's how we were able to move the needle a little bit more. And I showed them more value and actually how they were going to get more of a return by investing more. Um, Okay, so how long did that call take you? uh, Probably an hour. So you spent an hour. And yeah. made $19,000 more. Yes. And so I also tell a lot of my students that same thing where, like, if I could tell you that you could potentially make 20K more in an hour, would you do it? Uh, you know what who I mean? would say no to that? Yes, of course you would. <laughs> you don't, like, not every single client you get on the call, you know, books every single time and things like that. But yeah. you really can discover more value. Or, like, sometimes I'll have a client who reaches out and they, they're like, our website is horrible. Like we don't like how it looks like, okay, interesting. But I can start to see the branding is not very cohesive. Um, and so we'll get on the call and I'm like, have you thought about the branding? Like, and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, cause a lot of what you have been describing kind of goes back to the branding. Well, guess what? Then it turns into a branding project and a web project. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really just about asking why, like if you can just ask, why do you want to do this project? What are the goals behind this project? I honestly think that is like the best thing you can do. So get on calls with clients, ask them why they want to do this. That's awesome. Morgan, that's such great advice. So um, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the Simply Profitable Design Summit. It's free. Get your free ticket and go attend Morgan's talk. Would you like to make $19,000 more per hour? I think you would. So. Yeah. Definitely go check it out. Morgan, where can people find out more about you, the services you offer, and just connect with you? Yeah, so I tend to hang out on Instagram the most. So you can find me at Morgan Rapp. Um, also, my website, morganrapp.com. And then I do have some courses for designers, like more business courses, how to you know book higher ticket clients. And then I also have a course on Shopify as well. Awesome. And that's morganrapp.com, rap with two Ps, right? Yep, two peace. Happy days. Wrap two peace. Morgan, thank you so much for spending some time here on the Quickie Podcast today and sharing this knowledge with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 
All right, everybody, that was Morgan Rapp from MorganRapp.com, and that's Rapp with two Ps. Again, she is speaking on Wednesday at the Simply Profitable Designer Summit, and her talk is called Show Your Value and Book High-Paying Clients. Happy days. Next up, I've got Jason Resnick. You can find him at Rez.com. That's R-E-Z-Z-Z.com. And he's also the founder of NurtureKit.co. Really enjoyed my chat here with Jason. He is also speaking on Wednesday, March 25th at the summit. Now, if you don't have your free ticket for this designer summit, go get it. That is at summit.davetalksprint.com. Again, summit.davetalksprint.com. So Jason is speaking on Wednesday and his talk is called How to Spot a Bad Client and Position Yourself to Be Respected. We have all got those stories that uh, didn't go well. Saw the red flags or maybe we didn't, but either way, we got ourselves in those situations. So let's get to Jason and hear what his actionable step for you to take is. Let's go. Good morning, Jason. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. Happy to have you here, sir. So I always start with a tough question. Tell the listeners about yourself. (laughs) Sure. Uh, My name is Jason, uh, aka Rez with three Zs online. That's what people most know me as. Um, And I grew up as a web developer. I've been doing web development since the late 90s. I started my own business in 2010. Um, but I've since morphed my business or pivoted my business, I guess, um, to be more of the email automation and behavioral marketing expert, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in Drip and ConvertKit. Um, but I also help developers and designers live a life of their own design. And I do that through helping them to find their specialty, find their ideal client, and build predictable income. Awesome. Dude, that is like so well rehearsed. it's funny you you would think so but i do say like a version of that all the time yeah like there is some you know as a podcast host myself uh you know there is some of that aspect of like your your elevator pitch or your unique value prop or whatever it is that you're always Mm -hmm. saying all the time and every time it comes out i'm like man i wish i I gotta record that one that sounded good (laughs) that's a good one i gotta remember that one (laughs) very cool what is your podcast called jason uh, live in the feast. Live in the feast. I am hungry right now, so <laughs> resonates. <laughs> awesome. So, how the heck did you get connected with the summit? How did that all come about? Yeah, um, I I was introduced to Krista through a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Rose. Um, I knew uh, Jimmy through the WordPress space, and we have this uh, weird obsession with automation, and we've connected on that level. And he said, hey, look, I know who you are and what you do, and have you ever met Krista before? Because she does sound very similar to what you do. And Krista, to her credit, that's how I started my business was really just cater to designers Mm -hmm. as a developer and allow the designers to focus in on their work, whereas I would develop the theme for them. Mm -hmm. However, she's taken it above and beyond and gone totally, you know, much, taken it much further than I ever did. Um, And so when, you know, we got connected, uh, she invited me on my, on her podcast and I invited her on my podcast 
Um, and we just resonated and kept in touch, you know, now for probably like a year and a half now I've known her. So very cool. So then she just reached out and said, Hey, let's level this up. And is this your first year speaking at the event? Yes. Yeah. She, um, the topic on, um, the topic of the, the talk is actually based off of the podcast, the conversation that we had on her show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm more of the conversationalist type of podcast host and, wherever the conversation goes, that's where we'll take it. Right. And yeah. so, um, you know, my, she was like, Hey, your podcast resonated a lot with the audience. We've got some amazing feedback. Would you want to step that up if you can, you know, if it's something that's interesting to you and, um, you know, talk about it at the summit. And I said, absolutely. Um, I, <clears throat> The topic of discussion, the topic of my talk is is how to spot a bad client and and position yourself as being respected. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that I speak time and time again on mm-hmm. um, in various different forms and ways and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I coach m- my developer clients, um, my coaching clients, mostly on how to spot bad clients so that you don't have to deal with that stuff. And <clears throat> inevitably you're going to, um, not that anybody's a bad person. It's just not a good fit. Right. And that's kind of what it means by a bad, bad client. Right? It could be like not a good fit, but also, you know, somebody who has no experience requesting work from a designer or a developer, like not even knowing where to go, mm-hmm. you know, they may go, well, I deal with my contractor like this for my flooring in my house. So maybe I should do the same with my designer. They just mm. don't know. They don't mm-hmm. know like, you know, don't try and offer an exchange for services. Maybe is one starting point. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's what happens is inevitably when you get into client services work, there's going to be, you know, it's not a home run every time. It's mm-hmm. not a grand slam, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's a double. Sometimes it's a walk, right? Like in the baseball analogies. But, um, you know, it's it's really what it comes down to in my experience, and I've been doing this a long, long time now, mm-hmm. is when as a service provider, when you start to talk about a bad client, really, if you actually take yourself out of the equation, you look at it from afar, it, something was mismatched or misaligned. The mm-hmm. goals and expectations were misaligned. There was maybe some, <clears throat> the, the air wasn't clear, right? Me, meaning what the client expected was actually going to happen and what you were going to deliver on as a service provider. Um, while nobody was in the wrong, it just was never communicated clearly what that deliverable was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then there's some, trust factor being whittled, whittled away and inevitably the relationship ends and both parties are not for the better, right? <laughs> like the project just wasn't as successful as it possibly could have been. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's usually what happens. I mean, now there's different versions of that. Sometimes it ends okay. Sometimes it can be saved. Other times it ends badly. And yeah. like, you know, you're just like, Oh, I don't Nobody never want to experience that again. Right. Yeah. And so, so, and that's how the terms and conditions page gets made. <laughs> Correct. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. But more importantly, I think aside from the terms and conditions, and, and this is something that I'll actually talk about in, mm-hmm. in the, the talk is, you know, it's clear communication from the start. 
Like, you know, when you start to have those email back and forth that, you know, where they come into your ecosystem or your sales pipeline, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. just start, you know, positioning yourself as the expert. Um, but you also want to be crystal clear. Don't assume anything. Write everything in black and white. Um on the calls, you know, just like, don't gotta, like, I, I have this thing like, Hey, is my grandmother going to understand all of this? Right? Like, because if not, and I assume something I could assume wrong, mm-hmm. right. Or, and vice versa. Right. And so there's another critical point at which communication, I over communicate just in my own business. I just, I learned my lesson not to right mm-hmm. onboarding. So as soon as somebody comes in as a client, the first thing that they get after they give that deposit check to you is an email. Tell them what's happening, right? Like Mm -hmm. the worst thing you can do is somebody drops several hundred dollars or several thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars on a check and then you go dark for 24 hours and they're like, well, what happened here, right? Like all the while, you as a service provider could be setting everything up, setting the project management, giving logins, the, whatever the things are that you need to do. Mm-hmm. But fire off that first email. Tell them, hey, this is what's going to happen over the next few days. You get, I'm going to need some information for you, this, that, and the other thing. It's so critical to just leveling up that communication and mm. and then also not whittling away at that trust right away. Like that's the worst thing you can do is like just think about it from yourself. If you were to drop a couple of grand on a laptop and then you never got that receipt email, it's like, what happened here? Did I get charged for this thing? <laughs> you know, right? Like all of a sudden yeah. you're just like, uh, what happened? Right. And so it's so, so critical just to the over communication of everything, just to make sure everything is on the up and up. Dude, as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of this. Like if I order something on Amazon, I immediately get an email saying your order has been received. And then mm-hmm. however longer later you get an email to say order has been shipped. Mm-hmm. Or whatever you get these email updates all along this immediate communication. Imagine in a world where you make a purchase on Amazon and you hear nothing, no email, you know, a couple of days goes by and all of a sudden you get an email and like, geez, I wasn't even sure that they got my order. I wasn't sure anything, mm-hmm. but the same sort of scenario. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> onboarding when I first started putting it in and actually Jennifer Bourne, uh, who's also part of the summit, mm-hmm. um, she had came out with a blog post about onboarding an onboarding sequence. Um, and this was years ago mm-hmm. and that's when I put mine into effect. And, you know, in the talk, one of the resources that's going to be available is my onboarding sequence. And it's just a sequence of emails before I even sign a client. I tell them, Hey, you're going to get an automated onboarding sequence for me. There's going to be some questions in there. I need you to respond to these things. Um, it's going to ask for access levels, logins, these sort of things, but it's also going to give you an opportunity to ask questions of me and mm-hmm. making sure that everything is on the same page and, and things of that nature. So I, I set that expectation that that's going to happen um, because it's so, like people are just like, I'm just going to ignore this. Mm-hmm. But even though it, my first several emails is really just I need your logins. Like yeah. to your website, to Google Analytics, and mm-hmm. and I walk them through how to give it to me if they don't have these sort of th- you know things readily available. Um, 
while I don't need that day one, I do need it. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I might as well just start asking the questions that I need. And so the onboarding helps with a lot of that stuff and nothing falling through the cracks uh, on the back end of that. 100%. That's so great. What a great piece of advice there. You know, as soon as you get that check, that deposit, boom, send an email, let them know what the next steps are, what's going to be happening next so that there's no, you know, even 24 hours of silence is like, you know, they start to think like, did I do this right? Did I just, mm-hmm. you don't want that doubt creeping in. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the other thing too, is like, it goes back to the, the idea of being respected. It shows your expertise in what you do. It shows that you've been down the road a few times. It shows, you know, like that you can answer a question that they may have already and you're just answering it before they can ask it. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot there that just intrinsically happens just by sending off several emails. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I'm also going to talk about before they become clients, because that's the biggest thing. Like if you just searched on Google, how to spot a bad client, you're going to, believe me, I did. And (laughs) you're going to get over 300 million search results. Yeah. And if you just went through the first page, they're going to be a whole bunch of articles and lists of, you know, the top 15, top 20, top eight, top three. And they all talk about how to spot them when you're working with them. Yeah. For me, that's not good enough. Like, I don't want to be working. And ironically, and this is funny, the very first listing that actually gives you that like snippet in the Google search results, if you click in that, the first subheader is how to spot a bad client day one. So I'm like, if I'm spotting it day one, why are we even having day one, right? Like, what's the point? Yeah, totally. (laughs) So what I try to do, and this is what I'm going to talk a lot about in the the talk, is, is how to figure out your red flags list, but also your green lights. Like, what are you going to look for on both sides of the coin of a lead that you want to avoid, but you also you want to welcome the, the, the good clients, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are traits and characteristics. How do we take those traits and characteristics of somebody and then turn it into questions or a process or something that will allow us to find out if a lead or somebody that we're talking to that's a potential client falls into one of those buckets, mm-hmm. right? And so that... In all of the articles that you find, there's nothing that talks about that. And for me, that's what's most important. Like, yeah, I can identify if I'm talking to somebody or working with somebody, if I like the person or not. Mm -hmm. But how do I figure that out beforehand? Like, I don't want to work with somebody that that, that is, quote, unquote, a bad client. Um, So that's what the the vast majority of the talk is going to be about. But um, it's just, look, we all started businesses to not have 12 bosses that we hate, right? Like for me, it's funny. Like I say to myself and my family all the time, like, well, I got to go ask my boss. I don't really like him all that much if I can take off this afternoon, right? And so um, I don't want 12 bosses. Like I just want to be the boss of me. Yep. um, And I want to be a partner with all of my clients. And that's really how, um, you know, for me, that's when you know you're being respected and you're working with great people. That's amazing. I love those you know, little knowledge bombs and things that you've just left there for us. And there's going to be so much more of that 
in your summit talk. So listeners, please go check out Jason's talk. You can get a free ticket to this event to hear what he's got to say, to hear what 30 plus other speakers have to say. Um, so Jason, thank you so much. Last, before I let you go, how do people find you? What's the website? What's the Instagram? Let us know where to find you. Sure. Um, you can find me at res on Twitter. That's usually my, uh, unfortunately there is a res on Instagram that has one photo, um, <laughs> of like 400 and something weeks ago that I can't get. Yeah. I don't know, whatever Facebook won't give it up, but I'm at res 20, the number 20 okay. on Instagram, um, but res.com or nurturekit.co. Um, you can find me at each of those websites as well. Happy days. Jason, thank you so much for your time, man. I'm looking forward to being part of the summit with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Jason Resnick. Again, he is speaking on Wednesday at the Design Summit. And his talk again is called How to Spot a Bad Client and Position Yourself to be Respected. Now, guys, Summit starts tomorrow. That's Monday. Starts tomorrow. Go get your free ticket right now. Summit.DaveTalksPrint.com. Check me out on Instagram at the Quickie Podcast. There's a direct link to it in my bio there. Summit.DaveTalksPrint.com. Go get your free ticket. Can't wait to see you in there. Thanks for being here.